The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello, welcome back to Everybody is Dead Dave, the Red Dwarf Review podcast. We are at the end of series two already. Crazy. That is crazy. Uh, this is the podcast where myself, someone who has been watching for many years, and Adam here. Someone who is going through the show for the very first time. Uh, amazing. Uh, I, now that I'm watching it and enjoying it, I'm kicking myself even more. I'm like, why have I not watched this show before? And every time I tell people, oh, I'm doing a Red Dwarf podcast, I've never seen it. They go, why have you never seen Red Dwarf? So, yes, all right, I'm late to the party, okay. But now, for the first two seasons at least, I can hop on the bandwagon with you all. You are quickly catching up. And for anybody else who's watching it for the first time, do let us know in the comments if you are. Because mm. we would love to know who else is watching this for the very first time because when i when we announced it i did have a few comments from people going oh i've been meaning to watch that maybe i'll watch it uh, you know along with the podcast so if you have done that let us know in the comments yeah, please below. do because uh, we are here on youtube but we're also where you can comment i don't think you can comment on places like we can leave reviews can't you so yeah, you can leave reviews. reviews on apple podcasts yeah. and stuff like that so please do that as well yeah we are on do. everywhere you can get your podcasts we yeah, are you up can't to, escape so. yeah Exactly. You can't you can't escape us. <laughs> We're up to, uh, like I said, the season finale, the series finale of series two of Red Dwarf Parallel Universe. Mm. And uh, there's a there, I think there's a lot going to be a lot to talk about in this episode. But first of all, let's find a little synopsis to read out. Ooh, so we yes. give you an idea of what happens. So Holly in this creates a new star drive, which geniusly named the Holly Hop Drive. <laughs> Uh, which will warp, well, theoretically warp Red Dwarf from one part of space to another within a matter of seconds. They're all going to get home. But it all goes horribly wrong when Red Dwarf enters a parallel universe where a lot of mm. things are the opposite. Um, yes. Where do we start with it? Well, let's start at the very start of this episode because we don't start with parallel universes. We start with a show tune. <laughs> Yes, this was such a big shock because obviously watching this now, I'm used to the you know the iconic theme and Lister scrubbing Red Dwarf and the lovely panning shot of the ship, and uh, it doesn't happen this time. So I think at first I was like, "Whoa, like what? Wh what are we doing?" And then literally out of nowhere, we cut to the three lads all in I. Uh, what am I saying? Like the same outfit, red outfits doing, as you say, a show tune, a very 80s uh, doo-wop show tune called Tongue Tied. And it's brilliant, Phil. I loved it. I didn't care that I, I did didn't too. know where this had come from. Like, I didn't care there was no setup. I love the fact they just decided they were like, sod it, we're going to kick off with this show tune with no context. And the three lads, I've got to give it to them, uh, voices and choreography, Pretty good, especially Danny John Jules. Some of those moves, he, I don't know if he had any, you know, sort of dance training prior, but if he did, it definitely shows that it was, yeah, just wonderful. And I want to buy it as a seven inch single if they ever Well, did that. you know, <laughs> if you have been around in 1990, this episode came out in 1989. 
But if you'd been around a few years later in 1993, they did release it as a UK on into the UK singles. It reached number 17 in the UK no singles way. chart, oh, um, nice. and it was billed as being performed by the Cat. It was, of course, <laughs> sung by uh, Danny John or Jules, mm. um, but but on the on the CD and everything, or uh, it was you know credited to the Cat. So uh, yeah. I love that. I love the fact that it got to number 17 in the UK singles chart. Brilliant. It's. I mean, that's that's the British public all over. But interesting, you say as well. It wasn't like at the time. It took a few years before it, which shows how people clearly love the song and how it held. I mean, it is again, like I've said so many times about this show, the song is the most 80s thing ever. But I love it. Like it's so you know, right down it's from such the a set good song, and the. It? It's so catchy because and we've we've I'm... actually had a song before. We've had a smaller, much smaller musical number in the show before. Uh, I think it mm. was when they were looking at was it when they were looking at Rimmer's Dreams, and yes. there was something about oh. him singing. Uh, yes, yeah. Am yeah, I remembering yeah. that right? See, I think it was around then. Yeah, it was, yeah. As you say, very short. It wasn't. It was long very or... short, and it was Rimmer singing, I think, and it wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, this is was... so much better than that. <laughs> And I love as well on the set, they clearly just, you know, Top of the Pops wasn't filming that day, clearly. And they were like, hey, can we just can we just borrow the set, borrow some dancers? And they were like, yeah, sure. I don't know that as fact, but it just having seen a lot of 80s Top of the Pops clips over the years. You, do you know what I mean? It just reeks of that BBC studio platform stage sort of thing. And it it's it's very of its time, but that's what makes it brilliant. I think it's not a shame to be like that. And I mean... Even when it ends, I love how, it, again, There's it, we don't even have the regular opener or a message from Holly. It's just straight into the action, you know. Oh, it's a dream recorder. And I'm like, oh, of course it is. But I wrote in my notes, I was like, a dream recorder. Best opening ever. Because I think I will say that is my favorite opening so far. Um, I'm, I'm a sucker, for anyone who knows me well, for 80s cheese, particularly in pop music. And this hit a sweet spot. Let's say that this hit a real <laughs> sweet spot. <laughs> I'm, and I'm a, I don't uh, I I don't know about you, but I'm a massive musicals fan anyway. So you know, anytime like this is more of a pop tune, sure, but still, just yeah. the fact that it was. I would love a whole musical episode of Red Dwarf. Oh, me too. Yeah, with the characters I mean, bursting into song and everything, I would love that. In fact, I think every show should have a musical episode somewhere in its run. <laughs> Yeah, just just for the sake of it, get the musical episode in there. I mean, I'm surprised there's not been a Red Dwarf musical, like full stop, because it seems like a, you know, I thought that'd be a producer's dream. Small cast, you can do a cheap, uh, well, fairly cheap, you know, sci-fi ship set. You know, it's a it's a cost-saving producer's <laughs> dream. So I'm surprised they haven't done it yet. Yeah, I see. How would you see? I don't know if you'd be able to get this cast to do that on stage. Yeah. And well, I don't I'd, know I'd how I'd feel about a people. recast. I don't know how a see, lot of people that's interesting, isn't it? Recast. Yeah. Because maybe yourself and other fans who've watched for ages, you know, obviously, in throughout Red Dwarf's 30 plus years, it's always been those same actors playing those three parts. Whereas maybe for someone like me at the minute, I feel less affiliated with this. Like, they're brilliant, do you know what I mean? But at the minute, if you said to me, here's a Red Dwarf musical... And it's three different actors who are playing. I think I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'll give them a chance. Do you know, I wouldn't have that sort of knee-jerk reaction. I don't think, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I might be willing to do it. I mean, we we do have coming to the London stage very soon. Uh, Back to the Future, the musical, uh, mm. which I've got tickets for, which again recasts you know quite iconic characters, quite iconic actors that are what you know when you think of those characters, you think of the actors that play them. 
you think yeah. of Michael J. Fox, uh, and you, uh, but they're 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 managing to do it. But there's been a big, even though this was the eighties, mm. they're still making Red Dwarf up to last yeah, year. Amazingly, so, yeah. Uh, it, there hasn't been that distance yet, perhaps. Yeah. No, may- yeah. maybe, maybe there isn't. Um, but yeah, for anyone who's curious, my girlfriend got to see that musical, Back to the Future, before the pandemic, and she said it was brilliant. And um, I'm Excellent. hopefully going to see it once once life returns to normal. But yeah, well, hopefully I'll no, get to I... see it when when they stop postponing my tickets. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> but um, yeah, on the whole, I mean, we've just said it, but yeah, brilliant opener, my favourite so far, and. Yeah, I just like it how we go straight into, you know, no messing around, right? We're not having the title sequence. We're not having a title full stop. We're just going straight into it, straight with the the boys from the dwarf. And um, we, and, we get a and fun... It, go on. I was going to say, it turns out, because we haven't mentioned this, that it was another mm. dream recorder sequence. Yes. And yes. which is a nice callback to something we've had before and mm. a nice explanation of... Because you, you do start this going what is going on? I love it, but what's yeah. going on? <laughs> Why are they dancing? And we, and we do get a logical in-universe reason for it, which I quite like. Yeah, absolutely. And then once once we're back in, I say reality, but this is Red Dwarf, once we're back in some sort of familiarity, um, we have a conversation about uh, Rimmer, uh, Rimmer hypnotising girls or trying to hypnotise girls. Yeah, God, Rimmer is, never, is, never fails to disappoint in how low he can go, does he? Yeah, and... I must admit, and you know, this this could be just of the era I've grown up in, and I'm, you know, if you want to call me a, well, you can call me a snowflake if you want. I don't believe I am, but it's just I that whole conversation. It it's not that it didn't sit right with me. I felt ever so slightly unnerved, and I think that's just because that concert. You know, I know they're playing it for laughs. You know, oh, you know, hypnotize a girl, ask her to go out on a date with me. It's relatively harmless. I think it's because I've recently come off binge watching Torchwood for the very first time. And in that show in the first episode, very different. It's meant for adults. I get that. But in that episode, there's a similar thing that's put into practice. I don't know if you remember, but the character Owen uh, uses an alien, basically an alien aftershave, which makes any woman around or any being around him, I should say. uh, How do I use my words? Incredibly attracted to him in a certain way. And when I watched that, that didn't sit right with me because it, it, you know, it just seemed very wrong. Like that concept that, oh, a girl initially says no to you, so I'm going to use something to manipulate them in some way to get what I want. That felt wrong to me. And I'm not saying this was the same thing, but, you know, just for a moment when they started getting on it, and I know it's played for comedy, and I know it's fairly harmless in this sense, but do you know what I mean? It just sort of made my head twinge a bit and thought yeah and i i share the uncomfortable feeling however i do think that the it is played for last but also uh, and i think through lister we're shown that the this is not something that is accepted you know yes lister calls him a sad weasel of a man in reference to these actions, you know, I mean, he, I don't think Lister maybe is as harsh on him as we might be now, but he's definitely painted as this is not an acceptable way to go about uh, trying to court women. Uh, This is not, he's not colluding with it. He's not being like, Oh no. And in fact, Lister directly challenges it. uh, And he challenges it in a kind of like, this makes you very sad and pathetic. Uh, rather than a, a kind of like, 
as we might do now, this makes you effectively a rapist. Uh, but well, the, yeah. Uh, you, but there is that quite clear framing of yeah. it as as a negative. This is not something that we're meant to laugh at in terms of we're laughing with Rimmer. We're la- we're definitely laughing at we're him. Laughing and at we're him. laughing to uh, yeah. We're 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 judging him as well. Yes. Not just yeah, from our no. modern perspective. I think that was the that that was definitely. If you look at this whole episode, that was the that's definitely the aim. Oh, uh, at, yeah, that is the, the time whole as well. thing going on. Yeah, yeah. It sets up the themes quite nicely for the rest of the episode as well. Um, and I quite like the fact that even though L- Lister is challenging him here, so Lister is kind of like the good guy here. There are mm. things that come out a bit later that also show that Lister isn't you know, perfect himself. And the, the themes oh, that are yeah. brought up apply to him as well in this. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I share your feeling of slight uncomfortableness while, while he was saying it, but I think it works for the themes and just generally yes. it's good that it's portrayed as something that is negative. Yes, absolutely. I think uh, to refine what I said, I think that uncomfortableness, I think it was when it when the concept was first introduced before Lister like shut him down. I think it was initially hearing it where my mind was like, whoa, okay, like, but then as you say, like, yeah, Lister does sort of shut him down about it. And it's good that they have that. And it does set up the themes, which we'll get into later. But yeah, it is. They're very prevalent in this story. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, that following instantly that bit, you know, the whole pickup line gag about oh let's yeah. practice did you think that was a bit overdrawn because i did yeah it was another one of those ones like we had was it last week um where yeah, they just had the, the, the cheesy what was it like punchline that oh it was like too the, long the to soles to. in your shoes or something or like yeah, that's yeah, it yeah. yeah and yeah it I, just felt a bit strung out yeah it did yeah and i, I guess that was the point that it's cringy and you're like what I did quite yeah. like the the fact that Rimmer was very adamant that he should say the correct response back, you know, not being realistic yeah. at all. Like, oh, no, no, you sh- you say this back You need to, me. to say this. You need to yeah, say yeah, this. Yeah. Like, that's how, that's not how conversations go. Well, you can't say no. It doesn't work if you say no. You've got to say yes. Oh, right. Okay, go on, go on. So, would you like a worm do? What's that then? <laughs> What's what? A worm do? What about it? Is this still the opening line? <laughs> Look, you're not giving me the right reply. But what is the right reply? But, uh, you know, I think we've all been in that situation, in not that situation, but a situation where we're in conversation with somebody and we've got a plan in our head of how the conversation's going to go. And it's not going that way. And they're saying things you didn't expect them to say, so that ruins your response. And so, you know... A, there's there's that which I, yeah. I can identify with, um, but not necessarily in a in a in the exact situation that Rimmer yeah puts it in yeah precisely and um, I mean after we <clears throat> excuse me after we have that joke we're alerted by uh, Holly as you said at the start he has invented the the Holly Hop yeah drive. Holly comes on the screen uh, he's very pleased with himself. <laughs> <laughs> he's invented the holly hop and you drive. know it and he's gonna make you know it yeah yeah um and uh we get another great performance by norman love it uh yeah. he, he's just great in every episode and 
then they they go to the drive room where he introduces what this box is and it's as they say it's just a box with a stop and a start button on it yeah i love how like adorable i think i wrote how adorably pathetic it is like you can tell it's just been literally cobbled together but that's i guess that's the point and that i love how self-aware they are of that you know they didn't think oh we have to design this really like efficient complex thing we oh just slap a bit of tinfoil on it i mean it literally looks like a cardboard box with yeah because it probably is a cardboard box yeah exactly yeah yeah Yeah. they didn't go to any other like with the rest of the set the, the stuff made of you know fairly flimsy material they they paint to look like it's metal or whatever they didn't even yeah. go to that uh, you know but deliberately because that's the point it's meant to look yeah. really rubbish and i feel it fits in with holly's character as well we know he's sort of a bit of a bumbler and a bit of you know this and that so i feel if holly was to physically make this <laughs> yeah this is probably what what it had come out as so yeah i didn't mind it as i said pathetically adorable like you know just yeah i loved it and then uh, they they hit the button and they hope the to go button. back to Earth, but they they and don't go back to Earth. I did like the bit so. about with um, uh, the bit where he goes, "It's gone." What is the Earth? <laughs> it's missing. It's not there. Wait a minute. Sorry, I was looking out the wrong window. <laughs> no, no, it has gone. The entire solar system is missing. And Brimmer's just like... <laughs> the thought occurs that we haven't actually reached Earth. The further thought occurs that we haven't actually budged a smegging inch. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's a good setup joke, that, where Holly's looking out both windows. And when once they've established they're in that parallel universe, I kind of like how, for a sci-fi comedy show, they give quite a quick, easy, succinct breakdown on what a parallel universe is. If that makes sense, because obviously every sci-fi show that deals with parallel universes has different quote-unquote rules about, you know, what they are and how they work and stuff. And even though it is just exposition, I don't know, I just felt I've tried to put myself in that mindset of I've never been to a parallel universe in TV before. And I just think they put it across in a pretty quick and easy way. I don't know. What did, what did you think? Yeah, the yeah, fairly simple, really. And they, you know, they do it while injecting comedy into it as well, like the line about... Well, for instance, in this universe, could be that Hitler won the Second World War. Could be something even more incredible, like perhaps Ringo was a really good drummer. (laughs) That made me cackle, because having lived in Liverpool for many years and hearing that, you know, be the very obvious joke, you know, oh, Ringo, you know, he's a crap drummer and all that, you know. So that made me chuckle. Because there's that that famous, like, interview with... Was it with... I can't remember if it was with... um, John it's, Lennon or something, I, but he's the, the interview. I can't remember which other Beatle was asked, but one of the other Beatles was asked, you know, is uh, Ringo the best drummer in the world? And and the reply from the other Beatle was, he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles. That's it. Yeah. Cheeky reference to a Pete Best for any Beatles fans there. The quote unquote fifth Beatle, as everyone likes to say. Um, but yeah, no, I, ju- I just find it funny how the, the joke started or, or was around even back in 1988, because to, to my knowledge anyway, it felt like a, a recent-ish thing. But I think, again, that's just from being in the heart of where the Beatles came from. So I love the fact that this poor Ringo, but this joke has been going on for so long that he's, he's not he's not the best drummer. But it's all subjective. I'm sure he's a I'm sure he's a nice human. I've but never yeah, just, really thought to assess his drumming, to be honest. I mean, he's it's fine it's it's there it's serviceable but um yeah i've i've, I've heard better 
But um, yeah. So instead of being in, instead of going to Earth, they they've actually find out they're in a parallel dimension. There's another red dwarf there, and the Mm. first, and I we teased it earlier. Everything is opposite. Yes. Particularly the people. The the people are the opposite of you. And in this case, we get the first hint of it when Hilly comes on the screen when they the connect computers connect. Holly connects to Hilly. Hilly is a female version of um, Holly, and. Uh, and that's the fact, you know, the most of the opposites on this ship are female versions of them, which then plays into the themes. Um, let's talk about the themes now, because yeah. I think it's very, this episode is probably one of the most strong, certainly the strongest, I think, so far that we've got Absolutely. for theming and sort of having a, a sort of core message running through it. And it's all cool, kind of about sort of, how people treat the opposite sex yes 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 i mean as as you say um essentially we meet another lister and rimmer who are both women who have their similarities you know female lister i'll call her ms lister still likes you know, to drink and is a bit of a slob and miss rimmer's still very efficient but they um they essentially have the show portrays them as having very very quote-unquote you know male tendencies about them in their approach to regular Lister and Rimmer. And as you say, this episode's not shy about making its themes and intentions very known, right down to the dialogue. You know, like, um, for example, you know, like when Rimmer's looking through that magazine and he's talking about half-naked men, like, bending over cars. But it just looks ridiculous. I mean, these models are deformed, hugely deformed. Makes one feel quite inadequate. (laughs) And there's a lot of talk, obviously, in the model industry as a whole that, you know, the... There's debates, you know, are people like, you know, starving themselves too much just to get these jobs? You know, are they are they hurting their bodies more to appear glamorous? Is it is it body shaming? Is you know, there's all those questions and they and that 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 quote from Rimmer basically sums that up, you know, he he and and f- and a further to that later on in the episode, but we'll discuss it as we're on themes, is it it's in the whole uh, disco scene where particularly Ms. Rimmer is trying to come on to Mr. Rimmer and she displays a lot of tendencies that are associated with men in how men come on to women in like that kind of scenario, you know, sort of saying, uh, well, I'm trying to think, you know, that, oh, you know, like, you know, gives a kiss and uh, I promise I won't, you know, yeah. go down your underwear and all, all that creepy stuff that men do do. I'm not denying it. Like men, sadly, a lot of men do this and it is still a problem. Um but that, that's what I sort of admired about this episode because, you know, it's how Red Dwarf is still a comedy and it does sort of play it for laughs. But the dialogue, I think, is written in such a way where it's like, you can have a laugh, but, you know, we're trying to... Do you know what I mean? This is what we're trying to get across still, that this is how, for the men watching, this is how a lot of you are. Yeah, and it, and, how, and it also holds up that... It just holds up that mirror to sort of sexism and, and what women in these situations might feel as well because the yes. men both uh, rimmer predominantly but also lister a bit later on get a taste of what their you know these are all the actions that they would do to women and they're being done yes. to them you know things like the male models and being called totty and uh yeah. you know being told all oh, you you're asking for it because your trousers are tight and things like that yeah uh, all of those things are things that women go through and you know often men sometimes some men would just like laugh it off if they were challenged on it and go oh it's just a bit of fun just a laugh 
Um, yeah. And here it's it's reversed and you get to see Rimmer feeling very uncomfortable with all this stuff being, you know, I don't want to be called Totty. And, and like he, you know, asking Rimmer to help him get away from his uh, to the female equivalent yeah. of Rimmer and stuff. As so, you say, they, I think they balance it very well as I said, in the sense that a lot of it, is, there are moments, you know, it's still played for laughs in a way because it is a comedy and you can't, I guess they couldn't just dedicate the whole episode to suddenly becoming this very serious drama. But they, they bridge it in such a way, like we say, where they get across the messages via the dialogue, but the physicality in the, is still presented comedically. I don't know, it's a very fine balance. Yeah. I think for the most part, they achieved it. I think the like the moments where it, maybe stopped for me is like that line you said as an example, you know, oh, well, you know, you're asking for it when you dress in tight trousers or, you know, whatever the quote was. Uh, only because, you know, at the time we we're recording this, there's been recent events, you know, going on here in the UK regarding uh, women sadly being, you know, assaulted or in some cases killed by men who don't know, well, not don't know, they do know. But, you know, they cross the boundaries. They cross all the lines possible. And we've heard that been used as an excuse, you know, so many times, you know, you people out on a night out, oh, but they're wearing that, so they're asking for it, which is, com- I was about to swear then, complete rubbish. You know what I mean? It's, you know, yeah. it's, it's a rubbish excuse. Like, we're all we're all adults with brains. Like, we can't just, it, it, it's, a, it's a null and void defense. So to hear that, I think, so recently with what's going on, I think for me, it took me out of it just for a second. Okay, and that's, that's not the show's fault, because it was obviously made a long time ago. See, I um, think personally, yeah. for me, because of that recent stuff that's been in, you know, that we're now talking about more. Actually, I think that line particularly was one of the, for me, one of the strongest because that, mm. because we're talking about that now, that in this episode really does hold up that mirror and go, look, this is, you know, this is making Rimmer feel uncomfortable when it's done to him. So he should, you know, he shouldn't be doing it the other way around. And so that message being there, I yeah. think, makes it more uh, relevant to today than it necessarily maybe even was then. I don't know. Yeah, no, no. I agree with you in terms of it being relevant. I think what I meant was when I say it took me out a little minute was, like I said, they play, they have to play a lot of it balancing the comedy with the seriousness of what they're saying. And I think mm. for the most part, I could still get the seriousness of what they were saying while still being invested in the comedy but I think it was that one line, just because of what's been happening, that sort of, I didn't sort of chuckle at that point or laugh in any way. I just sort of, mentally, yeah. I think I just sort of came away from Red Dwarf for a minute and just listened to what they said, which is fine. As you say, it's very important and I think it's a fair reaction. And at that, I, I'd even argue that's not, I'm not chastising this episode for it. I think it's just because of what's been happening. I just had to sort of take myself out of this sci-fi world for a minute and be like, yeah. you know, I, I just, I, yeah. I, I just had a minute to reflect. I think I just needed a moment to, uh, gather everything. But yeah, I agree with you. I think it's this episode and its themes arguably are even more relevant now, um, than maybe they were back in 1989. Yeah. Know? And even Lister doesn't get out of the, the firing line of this because no, no. obviously early on in the episode, as we saw, he was the sort of counterpoint to Rimmer's sort of sexism. And he was going, look, you know, this is out of order. And he was telling him so. But then we see that Lister's also hypocritical about this in some aspects as well, not in the same ways as Rimmer and possibly not as bad as Rimmer, but there's, you know, one point where, Rimmer's asking him whether or not he's interested in, you know, Lister's interested in getting with his own counterpart. And 
He's like, no, no, she's she's disgusting. Have you seen? She's tried to impress me with downing like six or seven beers. It's disgusting. Yeah. But that's what he does. And and Rimmer even points that out. And he's like, yeah, but uh, oh no, I see it because he belches the uh, the some song or other. And oh, and Yankee Doodle, yeah. Yankee Doodle, and and Rimmer points out that he does that too. Yeah, but when I do it, it's really stylish, man. <laughs> it's that double sort of what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of double standards. Um, yeah, that it, even Lister we... has, even though he's the guy that at the beginning we are kind of going, okay, we're on his side because obviously he's the Rim is the sexist one. But also, you know, even people that are doing, I think it's quite a nice message that, or quite a good message that even the people that are trying their best and, and you think might, th- there's going to be some kind of hypocritical aspect to them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, again, that, that moment, like you say, with Lister sort of saying, oh, it's disgusting. She does it. Oh, but when I do it, it's, it's better. It's, you know, it's so telling of what we've heard so many uh, men say, you know, oh, you know, this, how, how awful this girl's like hardly wearing anything. You know, she's, I hate saying it, but you know, the the argument, oh, she's asking for it, blah, blah. It's like, okay. Or, Or, sorry, better example is saying, oh, you know, she's trying to this girl's been really forward with me. She's trying to trap me up. You know, she's trying to put her arms around me, whatever. And it's like, okay, so how, why is it okay when you do that to women? And he goes, oh, well, when I do it, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be friendly or some other rubbish. You know, it's a, it's yeah. null and void. As soon as you say it, as, as soon as someone shows that they're uncomfortable at the exact thing they do to other people, I'd argue they don't have a, a like with Lister, there's no defense. It's like, how do you, uh, you can try. It's like, oh, well, when I do it. But I think as soon as you start that, as soon as you say, oh, well, when I do it, it's like, no, now you're just, now you're searching for an excuse that isn't there. So, so again, I think you're right. It's, it's an important line and moment that is both funny in context of the show, because we know Rimmer's like that and we know he'd do that, but also very important in that message of, it's just that classic thing of don't do to others what you wouldn't want done to you. Yeah. In a nutshell. Um, I mean, there is more to it than that. But if you wanted to put it in, you know, a succinct bracket, it is it is that. And just, you know, it's that phrase. I've probably misquoted it. But you know the phrase I'm talking about. Treat others how you'd want to be treated or something like that. Yeah. Do do unto others what you would That's it, have yeah. done unto yourself or something like that. Yeah. Just yeah. Don't, don't, don't be an idiot. <laughs> just don't be stupid. <laughs> Um, yeah 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 so uh, yeah i i was really impressed with the kind of uh the theming running through this um you know dealt with some serious you know topics but in a Mm. in a a typical comedy red dwarf ways so we got that and then the sort Mm. of like the the very light-hearted aspects to this parallel universe story is the cat yeah. Who's, oh yes whose other heart whose counterpart is not a female cat like he had hoped no. because he because when he when cat first finds out about the lister and rimmer female counterparts he's like oh i'm gonna find me my female <laughs> cat to go and have <laughs> yeah. some good times with and <laughs> yeah. uh yeah it's not it's it's not a cat it's it's not no <laughs> It's a dog from the deep south. <laughs> oh, yeah. Boy, oh boy, where'd they go? I get so dang panicky when they go off and leave my own like this. And I love that, you know, for a scruffy character, they thought, what do we do? Oh, yeah, Cat's American, deep south. <laughs> Just uh, The deep south is often the butt of a... Of many a joke, and in some, in some cases I would argue that's deserved, but I just found it funny how they... Because I did wonder, as soon as they, you know, uh, Miss Lister said, oh, it's not a cat. 
I, I, I did think it was a dog. That was my instant, like, twinge. Um, but then I thought, how will we see a dog, you know, portrayed in this universe, considering how Cat is the way he is, you know, smartly dressed uh, and all that. And I just think it was a perfect antithesis, you know, scruffy, dirty, overgrown. It was getting yeah, worried it was about where a... it's where it's you know friends are and its its owners yeah. are. Like, it was where a perfect they? representation of. Yeah, it was a perfect representation of what a dog would be in this universe, I suppose. Yeah, and I know we've said before that we sort not complain, but we sort of said, "Oh, it'd be nice, you know, if Cat had more to do in these stories." And he doesn't arguably have that much to do here, but I think this is the one case so far where I'm okay with that because I think, like we said, the themes and messages of what's going on take precedent. And you're right, Cat is very light relief in this story, and it's the moments that he and the dog have are great, and they're you know with where they are. I think if that had gone any, if there were any more, I don't know. I think maybe it would have taken away some of what we got and what we've discussed. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. And it is, yeah, he's kind of doing cat things, which this time are sort of juxtaposed with the dog things. But he actually has a, he actually does have his own plot line that make that's, which often yeah. he doesn't have. Often he's just popping into the other's plot line to do something cat like and say a few, you know, cheesy lines and then go off again he often doesn't have his own plot line whereas at least here he does have a plot line he has this you know confrontation with the dog and there there's something more for him to do even though it is still based around the fact that he has cat characteristics and this person has dog characteristics absolutely and uh what an odd bit was when they when they have like a little dance off and for some reason they speed up uh cats dancing which is a, a bit odd considering at the very opening we saw him do this whole choreographed routine and i know it's probably just for this you know for the sake of comedy but i don't know I, yeah i, I must admit the dancing me, the... bit didn't work for me i didn't find that funny and the speeding up the one that, i mean i suppose it makes him sound like he's got a cat screeching but uh yeah, yeah. i don't get why they needed to speed it up necessarily yeah i didn't even think they needed the dance off necessarily <laughs> i thought just having the two of them sort of arguing their differences or you know like like they were doing when they first meet i thought that would have been enough just a short little that as i say that short little light relief break from everything but um yeah the whole sped up dance off thing was yeah it was just just a bit weird it was just a bit odd <laughs> so. and then we uh when holly and hilly are meant to have been working on the holly hop drive to get them back Mm. And they have been, but they it looks like they've been doing some other stuff as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Holly appears back on the screen next to Hilly and he's got a, quite a few lip marks over his face. No, it's a computer rash, remember? Yeah, of so. course. <laughs> it's a computer rash. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I like that. Holly got a bit of uh, a bit of a love plot, even if we didn't, see, even if most of it was off screen. Yeah, I look. There's little things Hilly does as well, like when they first see him with the kiss and they mention it. It's very small, but the her eyes sort of like slightly dart off center very quickly, almost like you know she's trying to avoid. You know how we do when we get confronted and you sort of look away briefly, like she yeah. sort of did that, and it just made me chuckle a little bit. What I'm I'm intrigued because I'm not going to tell you why um, right. until future episodes. But okay. uh, this is one of the things about I don't want to spoil too much for you as you are watching them going forward. But what did you think of Hilly? 
Of Hilly? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I liked her. I mean, as we said, she is a female version of Holly, right down to like the same accent, the deadpan delivery. Uh, I liked her. And I think, I'd, yeah, seeing more of her with with Holly would be quite would be quite cool, I think. Yeah. Cool. I like that. That's interesting. Yeah. Anybody else listening to this will be like <laughs> going, oh, you, yeah, you hold wait. your tongues, hold your tongues. Uh, but... Careful what you wish for. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um but yes no i really like hilly um she's uh oh, i've forgotten the actress's name what is it hold on i had it up on the screen a second ago let me see if i can find it again um because yeah brilliant delivery and has that sort of same sort of slightly coming across as slightly doesn't know what they're doing but mm. also slightly does type attitude uh and and delivery that uh, Norman Lovett has as well so that worked really well Hattie Hayridge that's it Hattie Hayridge ah, okay. is the name um <laughs> who um I think uh the person uh who I think I read somewhere that they'd just seen her doing stand-up or something and uh the people that wrote the show and, and thought she was really good well, she is really good. So yeah, I can I can vouch for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to touch on some of the other performers in this, I, I had a little big smile on my face when we meet Ms. Rimmer and Lister. And Miss Lister is played by Angela Bruce, who um Of course. For for classic Who fans is uh, Brigadier Bambera in Battlefield. And it was one of those like I saw her and I go I went, Oh I was like, I I know that face. And all the way through, I just sort of kept going. I was like, I didn't ask Angela Bruce. And then when the credits came up, I was like, it was Angela Bruce. You know what? I did not make that connection until you just said it. But yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, And I I think it partly helped because when she must have filmed this, this was like a year before Battlefield or like months before. So obviously she looks fairly similar. So I think that helped. But um, no, she's great. I mean, a Scouse accent, um, because I don't think she's from Liverpool, at least not to my knowledge. So she, she, you know, she put that on. It was a pretty good Scouse accent, Um, matching uh, (coughs) Lister's like mannerisms and action. I think she did a cracking job, as did, and uh, so bad name's gone, Miss Mrs. Rimmer also did a brilliant job of, uh, you're going to have to type for me, but, um, you know, doing that sort of stiff upper lip, but... um, you know, when yeah. Rimmer tries to flirt. Yeah, they were both Ar- Ar- It was basically. Arlene Rimmer and Deb Lister. That's what uh, that their names was it. were. That was it, yeah. Uh, I just looked it up. Yeah, they were so good. They were, they were, they, they just, they epitomized the characteristics of the characters that we know from the last 12 episodes and yeah. mirrored it perfectly. They did, they, it was such good casting and such good performances by the eight the um, actors there as well. So, you're not aliens. Hi. Hi. How do you do? How do you do? So you must be Lister. And you are too. Hope so. You must be Rimmer. So am I. Splendid. (laughs) Deb. Dave. Arnold. Arlene. Indeedy. And I think, you know, for for both of them, it showed more so, excuse me, in the um, the last scene with everyone in the parallel world, the the, the morning after, shall we say? Ah, yes. Uh, the whole yes. the whole pregnancy discussion. Um, so you know, um, <clears throat> the two listers wake up and they're in the hung same over. bed, hungover, and it's that thing of oh, did we, did we, didn't we? And they come to the conclusion that they did, which is uh, <laughs> awkward in itself because you've essentially slept with a parallel version of yourself, and. Um, 
yeah, then the idea of pregnancy is discussed. And we learn that in this universe, it's the males who give birth, not the women. And um, that naturally comes as a shock to our lister. And again, it brings up this whole theme that they're not afraid to explore, you know, of like, oh, you like the whole you took advantage of me. And oh, it's the man's job to be. What was it like? It's the man's job to be like prepared or yeah, ready. Yeah, to think which, of the precautions and stuff. Think which of the is precautions. Often, you know, at least uh, stereotypically is an attitude that has been, uh, you know, put over by men in in our yeah. universe. You know, oh, I thought you would handle the, the yeah, which again is, is which again is rubbish because it should be a you know two way consenting thing and you should both take e- equal precautions as each other but again like like with the whole drinking thing and coming on to each other it's it's that same thing isn't it they sort of say it it's played for comedy but they sort of get it in the dialogue what the discussion is about and you know you've got Lister saying oh i've been taken advantage of and blah 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 when in reality he might be saying what the female Lister is saying if he got if he might have got a woman pregnant as a defense yeah so it is really that like like you said sort of holding up the mirror and saying you know just think about what how you're saying this and, and why you might be saying it so um yeah no i thought that was a really interesting interesting concept and i mean the whole thing of implied so what they've gone in a parallel universe so now lister has suddenly gained the equipment as he puts it just just like yeah that. well i don't i i, I mean that it's a comedy show, so it doesn't massively yeah, matter. Yeah. But it doesn't really make much sense. <laughs> I did like, think that. I, I like, you know, I was like, no, I was like, stop thinking. To, I was like, it's comedy. Just, just accept that as soon as you go in this world, you, it is possible. Just, yeah. Just accept but then, it. but then they go back to their world. So then it, it shouldn't yeah. be possible. Like he should, if if he gains the equipment when he goes does to that he world, lose it? Does, should yeah. he lose it? And then, you know, what, how are the babies still growing? You know, there's a lot there that if you wanted to get sci-fi nerdy about sci-fi it. Sci-fi comedy. Sci-fi yeah, comedy. It's a sci-fi fine. comedy. It doesn't matter. They hand wave it away with a line and we should yeah. just do the same. It doesn't doesn't really matter. Yeah. If this was yeah. on something a bit more... I mean, even... I was going to say hard sci-fi, but even, even something as not hard sci-fi as Doctor Who, I'd be a bit more yeah. like, okay, this doesn't make sense. But... It, it is yeah. quite categorically a stupid comedy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you've just if you've had if you've got a problem, you've just got to let it slide, man. Don't think about it too hard. Just go with it. And um, when we however, are if on, you do have any on. like crazy wild theories about how it's oh, possible, yes, yeah. I would Let's love to hear it. those because like, you know I would love to hear the uh, the absolutely bonkers theories about how this might be possible. Leave them in the comments below wait. if you're watching I, on YouTube. I can't wait to read how men grow ovaries when they cross into the parallel <laughs> universe. I can't wait. But of course, the these children that he is pregnant with, it, as Rimmer points out, they they have encountered some evidence yes. that Rimmer, that Lister might have children before way back in in the second episode was it or the, it the was third? Fu- future so, echoes future echoes when they found a picture of Lister holding two children and then they get the echo of him coming out and holding them after delivering them um yes. which seemingly is going to be these two children I love that callback yeah, and it, I mean, when it happened, you know, I just sort of chuckled to myself because you told me right from, you know, when we started talking about callbacks that this show loves to do that. Like, it'll take a seemingly random moment, not use it for ages, and then it'll just bring it back. And that's it. As you said, it was the second ever episode, and we never heard anything about it again until now. And now it's the cliffhanger. 
So now, you know, now imagine that watching that back in the day. You know, you've waited nearly a year, I guess, to have to even have this mentioned again, and now you've got to wait another six months a year before you find out what happens. Like, it's it's good. It's a good use of a callback and a good, a damn good cliffhanger as well. And I like that Rimmer even quotes Lister from that second episode, where because when Lister finds out that he's going to have these two kids, and and they question how are you going to get kids on a ship with no women. Uh, and mm. he said in that episode, and Rimmer quotes him here, it'll be a lot of fun to find out. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, and, go. and now Rimmer's going, and it was. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, great cliffhanger. <clears throat> and obviously now we have the luxury we could just jump straight into series three. But I- I'm again, imagining back then, what a great cliffhanger to get your audiences to come back for series three to find out how on earth does this pan out yeah it's just it's a great closure to um to a great episode to be honest i you know i couldn't yep. ask for more <laughs> so one thing we do every week on the show is sort of pick a favorite funniest moment um do you yeah. have one uh, a close contender and again it was quite a small one i think it's just because being an actor myself i think it just tickled me was when uh, that you know they're in the parallel universe and they're talking about famous people who are now in this universe women. So, you know the first person on the moon is Nellie Armstrong, and uh, then they say Will Shakespeare or should I say Wilma Shakespeare? And it was just Miss Rimmer reading out the alternate titles that made me laugh. Rachel the Third, Taming of the Shrimp. But that line made me laugh a lot, like the alternate Shakespeare's. But the one that has to clean, it's got to be the song at the start. Because I yeah. just, I was laughing all the way through. I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm loving every second. And so are the cast. So yeah, it's got to be the song Tongue Tied that gets my funniest moment for me. I am exactly the same. I, yeah. There are so many moments that in any other episode would have been my funniest moment in this episode. Because it's, it's a really good episode. But just that song at the beginning is, it's just so unexpected and out of nowhere. <laughs> and I love a, I love a musical tune. And it was just, it was just so bizarre and yeah yeah great and a, and a top 20 uk single apparently later yeah. on so it is wonderful um we should yeah. we should launch a campaign if it's available on itunes or anything let's uh launch a campaign to get it back in the charts what are you talking about phil we're going to remake it ourselves oh yeah that's <laughs> what we should have done for the top of this episode we should have recorded uh, our very own version of it <laughs> Hey, maybe, maybe we'll wait a few years and release it as a single like like they did. You never know. But no, yeah, absolutely the funniest moment in the app for me. Did you have um, a funniest character? Or not funniest, a favourite character in this episode? I I have... I, I, I'm going to say the two alternate Rimmer and Listers. I, I debated picking one, but I think they're both just... E- they both did an equally brilliant job, as we said. I'm going to have to give it to the pair of them. Like, it would feel wrong giving it to one and not the other because, like you said, they both exhibit those traits of the leads perfectly as opposites and that both the actresses do a great job uh, with their physicalities and their voices and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, for me, it's got to be it's got to be those two. What about you? Uh, we're, we're clearly on very similar wavelengths for this episode, <laughs> although I line. did pick one. I depict one of them. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Uh, there isn't much in it, but for me, the female Rimmer just sort of just edges it uh, as my favorite okay. character. Yeah. And That's fair. Yeah, just does such a good job of mirroring the mannerisms and everything and 
the scene in the nightclub between the two of them when she's like very cringeworthily hitting on him using the hip trying to use the same hypnotism method against him that he was describing to Lister at the beginning and all that sort of stuff it just it worked so well absolutely couldn't agree more so uh, we are fairly similar on our favorite character and favorite moment have we scored Mm. them the same as well what what would you how many scutters would you score them out of 10 this episode i'm gonna go with a 9.5 we have we've Uh, given it the same oh we've done it we've done it (laughs) oh no well i mean a testament to how good this episode is clearly um yeah just um I know I said last week the episode Queeg was, I think I said it was my favourite so far on my watch through. I think this one's pipped it. I didn't think it would happen so soon. But um, yeah, just really funny, strong all the way throughout. Like we said, the themes, they're serious, but also, uh, you know, with that sprinkle of comedy, um, they tread the line very well with it. Uh, the two alternate rumour listers are great. Hilly's great as well. Uh, the dog made me laugh. Every, everyone was on top form. Everyone was, it was, it all just worked. Do you know what I mean? Everything just worked. The point five, I think, you know, there were still those one or two gags like we mentioned that maybe they dragged on a little bit too long near the beginning. Uh, yeah, I think it was just those overblown bits of comedy. Um, and I don't want to say, it's not like deducting it because of it, but no, nah. I I was just going to refer back to my point about that moment where I sort of had to take myself out of it for a minute just because of what was said. But but again, that I'm not going to attribute it to this score because that's not the show's fault. It's just because of what was said and with what's going on at the minute. Yeah. Um, so no, I won't tie it to that. Uh, yeah, mainly just those little bits of comedy that just didn't click. I'd say that was where it faltered yeah. for me. Um, that's, that's fair. I am right? yeah. um, very similar. It was such a good, uh, <clears throat> just there's so many funny moments in it. Uh, some great characters, some brilliant acting, uh, some, uh, you know, great, I've, I've mentioned it before, but I love a callback and brilliant yeah. callback at the end oh, of the episode. Oh, and you get callbacks, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it was just a, also just a really good exploration of the sort of double standards between the sexes as well. You know, in a comedy yeah. show like this, you don't often get, you know, such a, you know important topic explored yes really well and this this did it and it just it was really good yeah i couldn't yeah couldn't agree more just very good as i said for me surprisingly my my new favorite episode didn't think it had happened so soon but but there you are i mean if the quality keeps going up i'll be saying that every single week and i must say from what i've seen from red dwarf people either online or whatever People seem to hold series three in pretty high regard from what yes. I've seen. I haven't seen any spoilers, but just I think I saw someone do like, you know, a ranking or like a tier list. And I think that person put series. There was only two. I think they put series three and six in the top spot, I think. So I thought, OK, OK. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to what's to come. We didn't see Crichton again. Um, no, the who, whole of, course, of the series. Uh, yeah, where is he? Where is But yeah, where is he? I thought maybe I was like, is he going to pop up in the finale? Because he's he's roaming around the dwarf somewhere. Well, that, that's he's, what the last episode would lead us to, impl- to you know, to believe. He went off <clears throat> on Lister's bike, driving yeah. around the ship. I and don't know if he he's maybe he left the ship. So. I don't know. Maybe, but yeah. Um, I I mean, uh, from from pictures and stuff, I 
for those who think, oh, he doesn't know. I do know Crichton will, you know, he will pop up again. I've seen the pictures, but I don't know when he pops up again. And uh, yeah, I hope I it's soon. I liked it Crichton. You. Okay. But I liked Crichton this season. I'm looking forward you know? to, because you already know he gets recast, so I'm not spoiling Yes. That. You, you yeah. know that. So I'm looking forward to seeing, as your introduction to the character has been so recently the the version that you saw what you think yes. of the new actor um portraying Absolutely. him no i'm looking i'm looking forward to it but i mean yeah it's got series two red it's been a blast um i i'd say from memories just of all of them i'd say i've enjoyed it more than the first i think because i think in many ways it took it kept, you know it kept pushing its concepts i think it felt a bit more stable to do more experimental stuff like you know we got the stuff in the Early on, we had like the video game episode, you know, like the VR thing going into that virtual dream world. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? Like series one took risks as well, but I feel maybe now that, you know, that went, that went down well and they thought, okay, you know, we've, we've got something now we can really do the, they are, they, the they, they found their feet. They're getting more ambitious and that yeah. will continue. They will continue to get more oh, ambitious, good. which is, uh, good. which is certainly good. It. Uh, well, yeah. look, uh, join us next week. We're not yes, taking a break. Please. You don't have to wait six months for us uh, to come <laughs> no, on the screen don't. again. We're here every week. Uh, for yeah, we We're going to head straight on into series three of Red Dwarf next week with Backwards, uh, which I will say is one of the fan favorite episodes. Oh, so, okay. Um, looking, <laughs> I think it's backwards. I have got that right, haven't I? <laughs> I am sure it I, I is. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, if I haven't, I'm sure the comments will tell me. Yeah. Uh, so that is straight into that next week, and uh, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, we will see you again then. Hopefully, do join us. You can check out this on my YouTube channel. You can listen to this every week. Uh, occasionally, we uh, mm. do. We do make it a premiere and we join in in the uh, chat box, but not every episode. We do, we do. We do mm. it for special episodes here and there. Special sort of. occasions. Yeah, yeah, we probably do it for series finales and series openers and, and the occasional fan favourite episode. So uh, we yeah. probably premiered this episode. I don't know. <laughs> we... Well, it depends if we're busy on the day as well. True, true. <laughs> but you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, mm. Spotify, all your usual places as well uh where else on the internet can they find you adam for me uh i'm on youtube as well just type in adam martin martin with a y and i know probably regular listeners like you don't have to keep saying it trust me throughout my life i do have to keep saying it because if i see martin with an i one more time um yeah just search adam martin with a y i should pop up i make videos about uh Sort of like Philip in a way, like about pop culture, Doctor Who, and many other things I'm interested in. You can also follow me on Twitter at Adam Martin Actor for my daily ramblings. And yeah, as Philip said, go and check out the pod on his channel. Go and check it out on all the streaming sites. We are everywhere. You can't escape. And uh, yeah, hopefully we will see you uh, in future episodes. Looking forward for Series 3. Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. We will see you then. See you later.